This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 693, if you confuse, you lose. So today we're talking about building your very own value pyramid. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you start your podcast and grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And if for some ungodly reason you're not happy, you have 30 days to go, Dave, this is not for me, and I will give you your money back. And today, I have been taking kind of a business course. It's from Tim Schmoyer. He is the guy behind Video Creator. So I'm learning about YouTube, and I've been I've got a YouTube channel. If you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 693, I do videos there on a somewhat frequent basis. It's one of those things that, much like podcasting, takes a lot more time than you think it is going to take. And uh, it's interesting because in the end, we are all just content creators, whether it's audio, video, you know, uh, you know, uh, smoke signals, anything. And so I was looking into this and I, I've done a really, I, I'm, we're talking a rabbit hole the size of Texas on the word value proposition. That phrase is typically used in business. And I'm going to apply that to the podcast and your podcast. And I've attended a few conferences over the last couple of months. I've been on the road again. And it's always interesting because we're going to talk about value. And then we're going to talk about how to get that out of your mouth. Because in some cases, people explain their show and I just can't see it. Or in some cases, I maybe it's I'm just not their target audience. But we're going to talk about the pitch because there are sometimes when you have your target audience right in front of you and somebody goes, so tell me about your show. And you go, ah, ah, and that's just not good. It's not. So I want to identify what is valuable. And I find this really cool uh, Harvard study that really goes into this. So some of this I learned from Tim Schmoyer's video creators course. And that's where I first learned about the value pyramid. Now, if you are a regular listener to the show, and if you are, thank you for that. You can subscribe over at schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe and never miss an episode. And you've heard me say, I think you should make your audience do one of the following. Laugh, cry, think, groan, or either you're educating them or you're entertaining them. And if you're not, then don't press record. And so I found out about this thing from Harvard Research, where they spent a whole lot of time looking into this, and they call it the value pyramid. But here's the thing. What is value? Let's just start right there. And you're like, well, value is when you get something valuable. And you're like, yeah, that's not helpful. Value is when the benefit of consuming your content is worth the time and effort it takes to consume it. 
I'm like, I, I think you're okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. When I listen to something and go, oh, wow, that was good. I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting there going, well, that's 45 minutes of my life. I can't get back. That is value. I am still listening to Matthew Dix. If you're a regular listener of the show, I read his book, Story Worthy. I downloaded all 64 of his episodes and I've got about another 15 to go because it's valuable stuff. He's all about storytelling. And every time I listen to one of those, I go, hmm, okay. And in some ways, much like this show, where I sometimes repeat myself, it's good when people repeat themselves and you go, oh, yeah, I, I think I get it now. Sometimes you need to hear it more than once. But if you think about it, value is the benefit of consuming your content when that is worth the time and effort it takes to consume it. And that's why it needs to be easy to consume, right? Because if you think about it, if I make you dig to find my podcast and I only give you a button to subscribe an Apple podcast, and now you got to dig to find it on the Android side of life, there's a really good chance that Android people are going to go, ah, forget it. Never mind. Why? Because it's not worth it. You've now extended the effort it takes to consume your, your content to where they're like, ah, forget it. Because unless this thing, you know, comes with some sort of a free money or I don't know, a puppy, a pony, something, I don't, I'm, I'm putting out too much effort to get this content. And the other thing I thought about this, if that's true, and I believe it is, this also means the opposite. If you make it super easy to consume your content, they might, they might give you a pass. Like, hmm, that episode wasn't very good. Let me try another one. Why? Because you made it super easy to consume your content, where if you make me dig through it and I put it on, and I'm not making this up this week, I heard a podcast who will go uh, nameless. And I think they recorded it on their phone in the mall, in the mall while they were eating. And the first part of the podcast that I'm not making this up was like, so what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Well, you want, I thought we we're going to talk about the one thing. I don't know. Uh, this, meanwhile, I was like, what? And so there was no value to that. I, I was amazed. And, and so I don't know that you're going to get a pass even if you make it super easy to consume that podcast. But in my book, the first minute of that was them trying to figure out what they were going to talk about. There's no value to that. And here's one to think about with that is I kind of joke about podcasts like that. And I kind of worry about that because they're so valueless, in my opinion, that it's easy to do any kind of show and go, well, at least I'm better than the guys recording themselves eating pizza at the mall. Well, okay, yeah, but isn't anything better than somebody recording themselves eating pizza at the mall? My first wife had a friend, and I felt bad for her, but she would actually sell her body for crack, as in like the drug. Yeah, she was in a really bad state, and, and we tried to help her, but on occasion, my ex-wife would go, well, at least I'm not so-and-so. And I would be like, I hope not. So we have to be careful when we find a really bad podcast because there are people that, God bless them, will set the low even lower than we thought. And that's what we're talking. We're talking about delivering value today. And so there's this thing called the value pyramid. 
And the first, like the bottom line, the, the widest base, this is the stuff that you want to deliver. And it's called functional value. And this is kind of a no-brainer. Do you help your audience by making things easier? Do you save them time? Do you save them money? Does it provide a way for people to connect? Those are ways, those are functional values that people are like, oh, it's super easy to see the value. And in some ways, it's kind of easy to deliver that value. People can say, well, here, if you do this, it will save you time. It will save you money, things like that. But that's the bottom line. That's the base of the pyramid, right? Super wide at the bottom. We're going to go up one level. This is the emotional value. So how does your podcast make people feel? And there's the old line, you know, some people may remember what you say, but they'll always remember how you make them feel. I think that was Maya Angelou, if I remember right. So does your podcast reduce anxiety? Do you reward your audience? And you're like, well, how would I do that? Well, there are some people that will add plugins to a WordPress site and kind of gamify it. Uh, You can go in if you have a private Facebook group and see who are the most active people in your Facebook group and give them a little shout out. If you're on Patreon or if you have some sort of uh, way that you have, you're selling your back catalog, are you rewarding people? Are you giving them shout outs? Do you reward your audience? I mean, for me, that is valuable. I'll give you an example right now. Uh, There's a, a restaurant here in the United States called Chipotle. And you walk in and they it's beans and chicken and steak. And you basically put it into a big giant bowl the size of your head. And then you throw it down your face. And they have a rewards program where if I eat there enough, I get a free dinner. And that to me is valuable. Every time I go there, I'm like, oh, I only need to eat here another 48 times and I get a free you know bean or whatever it is. But nonetheless... There are ways that you can reward your audience. You you can reward them by sending them an, an email. I know that sounds weird, but for some audiences, if you actually reply to them, that's a that's a reward. You know, here's another one. Does the design tweak their emotions? Design can really help. I'll give you an example. My brother, when you walk into his living room, has wallpaper that realistically looks like you are in a log cabin. That sounds kind of cheesy, but when you walk into his living room, it's dark, as you might imagine, because it's kind of wood-based, uh, and it's just, it's so cozy when you walk in there. So your actual website can tweak their emotions. Why? Because, again, if it's frustrating, all oh, the emotions that are going to be emitted from that, that can be valuable if you make it easy. Um Does it boost their wellness? Now, this is kind of more applied towards, I guess we could say, a a a product. But again, your your podcast could help somebody's physical being if it's a weight loss show or something like that. Um, Is there a badge people could wear to show their loyalty? And I was thinking about that, and that you could make a little badge to say, "I'm a fan of this show." or something that a code that they could put on their website. This is where swag comes into play and you can use things like T public and you can use sticker mule and things of this nature to uh, deliver this value. They're like, Oh wow. And it makes people, again, we're tying into their emotions. So if there's a badge that people can wear, 
that makes them feel unique. It makes them feel like, again, we go back to connecting with people. I feel connected with you. I'm part of the community. Um, the No Agenda Show uh, at noagendashow.com has a deal. If you donate $1,000, you get a ring, like a really nice ring that then says, look, I'm part of the club. And why do you deliver? Why do you donate a thousand dollars? Because they deliver value. So these, that's the, so the first one, functional value. I'm going to save you time. I'm going to save you money. I'm going to, you know, very functional things. Then there's the emotional value of this. How does your podcast make them feel? Then the next level up. And you notice that as we go up, each one is a little more tough to deliver. Life changing value. The, your, your value promise is something that's like a personal transformation of some kind. And if you can provide life-changing value, wow, your audience is going to love your show. I think about Pedro over at My Stuttering Life. Here's a guy sent me a uh, coffee mug. Thank you, Pedro. And as you might imagine, Pedro stutters. In fact, he was on David Hooper's big podcast and explained how he had to do like exercises for like hours to get ready to where he could talk at a somewhat lower level of stuttering, but I, I guarantee you when somebody that stutters listens to his show and they're like, oh man, I have a community and I used to feel alone and now I don't. Think about that. I felt alone like I was the only person on the planet that was feeling this and now I realize I don't. I'm not alone. That is life transformation. That is something that's life-changing value. So when somebody goes, oh my gosh, I thought I was the only person going through that. And you've answered the question, no, you're not alone. You know, and now you can say, no, you have a community. This is where you belong. You know, uh, if there's something, uh, Dave Ramsey has a thing, you know, Dave Ramsey, you know, uh, the, the lottery is just the stupid tax. He has a thing where he helps people get out of debt. and. When you get out of debt, you get to call into Dave's show and go, I'm debt free. Why? Because they've achieved a goal. So maybe there's something that you talk about on your show that everybody's trying to get to. And when they get to that goal, you make some sort of ceremony out of that. Uh, Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, again, of the No Agenda Show. If you donate $1,000, they have a whole nighting ceremony with sound effects and music and the whole nine yards. Um Another life-changing event. Can you motivate people? Or here's another one. Here's a question. Can you provide someone hope? Think about that one. There's something that's, wow. Could you imagine somebody who like, oh man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's hopeless. And then you deliver a podcast and they go, wait, hold on. Hold on just a second. I might be able to do this. And you motivate them. There are so many people that do motivational shows with uplifting stories where Today, my guest walked to school uphill both ways in the snow. They've cured cancer. They've done every, you know, it's, they've done the hokey pokey. They've turned themselves around. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's all about. Welcome so and so. There's so many motivational shows like that. But to me, I think people tune in for the content, but they really love the host. They stay for you. And that's really comes down to can you motivate them? And sometimes you motivate them with a guest, but that's it. So there's functional value emotional value. How does your podcast make them feel? Life-changing value. So there's a, a personal transformation of some kind. And then the top one, the ultimate top value 
is are you impacting more than your audience? And this one I had to think about. I was like, hmm. It said, this is where you're delivering value, not to the individual, but to the world at large. And they gave an example. Tom's Shoes offers value to someone besides the customer by providing a pair of shoes to a person in need for every pair sold. And this is something you can do with your podcast. You can, if you have a why, like we all have our why, why are we doing our podcast? But sometimes there's there's more to that why. Like I could easily get behind the Alzheimer's Foundation or the Diabetes Foundation because both of my parents had issues with that. Uh, I could get behind the Wounded Warriors. Uh, that's another one that's kind of, I like, wow, I, I always had, no, I have no problem donating to that. So you might have a cause that you could, you know, do something like that if you wanted to. But that's the ultimate value. When now I've gone from delivering, hey, I'm going to save you time and money to this is how I'm going to make you feel to, hey, I'm going to change your life to, hey, let's change the world. That is value. And obviously, you're not going to start at the top. You start at the bottom with functional, emotional, life-changing, and then social impact. So that, when I thought about that, I was like, okay, now that's, they got me thinking about what is value. And they like to use this phrase in business called a value proposition. And it explains basically, and I'm I'm substituting product for podcast in this case. So a value proposition explains how your audience benefits from your show. And this could be, Something, well, first of all, you have to know who your audience is. It always comes back to who is your audience, but it's also going to say why you're a better fit than other podcasts. And sometimes that's a little rough to say because we have that whole imposter voice in our head that's going, Nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody's going to, what are you doing? Nobody's going to listen to you. I hate that voice. It's still there, by the way. And uh, so when you say, wait, I, I, I can barely get enough courage to talk into the microphone. And now you're talking about why my show is better. Well, I, I, that's why I put the word fit, a better fit, because there are other podcasts about storytelling. But uh, Speak Up Storytelling is the one I know that is more like a class. It's more like how to do storytelling where other storytelling podcasts are. You get to listen to people tell their stories. So for me, the Speak Up Storytelling podcast is a better fit for me. Didn't say it was better. It's a better fit. And so you you might want to look at you and how you are different than other people and figure out why am, how is my show different than other people? And how is your podcast going to solve your audience's issues? Whatever that may be. And that could be, quilting it could be nascar it could be i need to, i need the funny i i need the funny i i need something to make me laugh that could be something like that so how do you tell people that and well you could have what's called a basically a, a headline that helps summarize a key aspect of your value proposition and typically this is less than 10 words and if you heard the beginning of my show, I used to say, I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face your fears and flatten the learning curve. And that's what I do. But I really went back. And the one thing you have to do 
when you start talking value proposition. And for the record, I hate that saying. It just sounds so stiff and business-like. I feel like I need to put on a suit to say that. Value proposition. It just sounds so jargony. And but uh so I, I thought about this. I said that's that's a lot of words. And I'm like, what does my audience really want? Well, I help people start a podcast. Most people want to do that if you're listening to this. But in the end, what does my audience really want? And I kind of wanted to get I, to me, it's like I used to if you go to my website, it says start planning or plan, launch, and grow your podcast was another one. Less words, plan, launch, and grow. Okay. But grow what? How grow downloads, grow this, grow that. And for the record right now, I'm breaking my own rule because I am telling you how the sausage is made, but I'm doing it in a teaching aspect. And I said, well, in the end, what do most podcasters want? They want influence because that's why we're talking into a microphone. We want to influence you in some way. And sometimes people hear the word influence and they they think of it as a way of, oh, I'm going to get you to do something. Well, we do. Some people, I want you to laugh, cry, think, groan. I want you to learn something or I want you to smile. So I thought about that. And you could have a, a short, powerful headline. and But it has to be like no thinking involved clear, like ridiculous. And so for me, I said it originally was going to be start a podcast uh, grow your podcast. And I was like, you know what? There are people that maybe don't understand the word podcast. That is a, a phrase that the the actual definition is getting a little blurry. And I'm like, yeah, but I think people understand influence. And there's a part of me that goes, mm, even that's kind of influence might mean a million things to a, a million different people, but I'm I'm going with that for now. Start your podcast, grow your influence. So that could be by a little headline. You might have a, a, a sub headline or a short paragraph and so this is kind of like if somebody's in the elevator and they go, what do you do? I go, oh, I run the school of podcasting where I help people start their podcast and grow their influence. And then the door opens and the person leaves. And then you might have a, a, a some sort of like eh, a couple sentences, a short paragraph to explain to people what it is. And that's where I might say, well, I help people, uh, you know, uh, plan, launch and grow their podcast and, and grow their influence, you know, a little more. And then you might have something uh, like a, a bullet list of what people do. And the thing about this is so many times we get involved with features or right. So I remember when I was in the copier business, when I first got out of college, I was a copier technician and I was uh, working with Minolta copiers. And one of them was microtoner. Like if I said to a, a potential client, I could say, oh, but uh, Minolta copiers have microtoner. That is actually a feature, but they don't know what that means. But if I said, hey, you get crisper, clearer types of images. Oh, okay. That makes sense. And a great example of this is back when Steve Jobs launched the very first iPod. Listen as he goes through the features here. We are introducing a product today that takes us exactly there. And that product is called iPod iMac, iBook, iPod. What is iPod? iPod is an MP3 music player. Okay. Has CD quality music. Feature. And it plays all of the popular open formats of digital music. MP3, MP3 variable bitrate, uh, WAV, and AIFF. Those are all features. 
But the biggest thing about iPod is it holds a thousand songs. Now, this is a quantum leap because it's your, for most people, it's their entire music library. Now this we're is talking. huge. Yep. How many times have you gone on the road with a CD player and said, oh, God, the CD, I didn't bring a CD I wanted to listen to? Notice, Steve is now explaining the problem that you solve. And Steve can say that because he knew the problem of his audience. This is why knowing what your audience problems are, because you can then explain how your product, your podcast solves it. Take it away, Steve. To have your whole music library with you at all times is a quantum leap in listening to music. Now we're talking. The coolest thing about iPod is that whole, your entire music library fits in your pocket. So now he's described it in a way. And if you saw the video, he explains it. He typically shows that it's in his pocket. And now you are explaining the value in a way that your audience can understand. It has to be super clear. And if you try to come up with like your pitch, your value proposition, and you're not sure, ask yourself, does this word make it clearer or not? So think about that. I have a couple examples of these. Stripe. Uh, Their value proposition is web and mobile payments built for developers. Very clear. Lyft, that's the, it's kind of like Uber, rides in minutes. Uh, Zapier, connect your apps and automate workflows. And by looking at these, the Zapier, the Lyft, the Stripe, I understand what each company does. You know, Target, expect more, pay less. Skillshare, Learn a new skill each day. Evernote, remember everything. That one I kind of wonder. I don't know that I get that at software from that. Uh, Bitly, we've all heard that where people go, oh, it's in a PowerPoint. They're doing a presentation. It's bitly.com or bit.ly slash 697BKXY. And I'm like, that's not going to work. But nonetheless, we know Bitly, shorten, share, and measure. Spotify, music for everyone. And so as you're trying to come up with your value proposition, you might want to think about why should your ideal listener listen to you? And again, that's a hard one to answer because you you kind of want to go, well, because I'm great. <laughs> that's hard to do. But there might be something like for me, my background is in teaching. So I think I bring an educational style to my podcast. You know, what do you do differently than other podcasts on your topic? And maybe you should know that. Maybe you're, it could be just that your show is longer or shorter, but it's always going to be different because of you. But you want it to be clear. Uh, Epson has a value proposition that says, where there's business, there's Epson. Okay, What? Uh, HP has almost the same thing. Everywhere you do business, HP. Okay, it's really generic. Time Warner Cable, who is now Spectrum, at least in my neighborhood, had one that said, enjoy better. What? Enjoy better? Okay, Burger King had one. Now, most of these are gone because, well, they're not very good. Burger King for a while was saying, be your way. Now, this was kind of a takeoff of their very old saying, which was have it your way, but now you're supposed to be your way, to which I go, that does not make me want to buy a burger. Be your way. 
And so some people call this blandvertising because it really just sounds like some copywriter got together, put together a bunch of keywords and then put them together. And I've seen shows, I actually went into Apple Podcasts to see if I could find an example. And so uh, here's one that for me, and again, I, I realize I'm kind of throwing this person under the bus, but for me, this didn't make much sense. I didn't really get it. And it was called the Salvaged Soul Podcast. So I, I look at that and was like, that could be kind of a, because I see the word soul. It's either going to be a music show or maybe something spiritual. But it says the podcast is a place for all things real. I have no idea what that means, except that they're not talking about fake things, but okay, but real what? And it says, I want to help you live your best life by being true to yourself. Again, kind of jargony. I hear a lot about this escape the nine to five and, you know, leave the cubicle and, you know, you can have the dream life you deserve. Okay. But then uh, the host says, I will share all the ups and downs of business, marriage, family, and friends, the good, the bad, the ugly. I still don't really know what this show is about. Um, the real way to reach happiness and financial freedom. So I kind of, there, there's enough vagueness there that I just kind of go, oh, it's one of those vague shows versus Dave Ramsey tells you how to get out of debt, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it really always comes down to knowing who is your audience. When you know who your audience is and what their pain points are, you kind of eliminate competition as fewer people are going to be doing what you do. This is sometimes we, we talk about niching down. But when you do that, if you niche down too much, you're like, well, I've got 23 people on the planet that could listen to this show. That's a little too far. But when you do niche down, okay, there's going to be less people. You know, if I did a weight loss show, there are a bazillion of those. And then I could do a weight loss show for men. Okay, that's niching down. And yes, that means less ladies are going to be listening, but I can be, I can talk now to very specific items for men. And then I can say, okay, what about men in their fifties? Okay. Now I've got a, a later of that and men in their fifties who like bicycling or whatever. Okay. The, the further you niche down, the smaller your audience is going to be, but the more loyal they're going to be. And the other thing you want to do when you're trying to explain your value. So you've, you've figured out who your target audience is. We said we had the different ways of the different kind of, I guess, uh, levels of value, functional value, emotional value, life-changing value, social impact. You know who your audience is. You can niche down. See if you can explain things because we're talking about now getting that value out of your mouth in a way so that if somebody sees you in, a, in an elevator or for me, I go to events and I say, so tell me about your show. And some people wow, are all over the place to where I leave. And I, I, I don't, maybe it's me. I don't get what their show's about. You need to deliver it in a way. And, and for the record, that may just be, I'm not their target audience. Because you want to use the verbiage of your audience in a way so that it easier connects with them. Uh, in an Apple review, somebody put, and thank you for this, it said, uh, they were talking about this show. It said, the best information and experience to learn the right way to podcast from the heart of a teacher. So you might want to go look at your Apple reviews if you have any and 
take some of the phrases from your reviews and put those into the description of your show because those people are speaking the native tongue of your target audience because they are your target audience. And look for phrases and points that you can use, again, to help explain your value. But I really think we, for me at least, we we focus so much on downloads. You know, we talk about advertising and you need to have X amount of downloads and things like that. I, I If somebody said, what is Dave Jackson about? I want somebody to say, that guy is all about value. I am working with a, a couple side projects that you might hear about in the future. And they're always about, well, how does this deliver value to the end user? I really think that's where we all need to start. And so when I saw this value pyramid, and if you go out to the school of podcasting.com slash 693 of links to a lot of articles I read on this. And there's actually one that shows the pyramid. And I just was like, yeah, that's, that's something to think about and different ways that we can just for a second, step back and go, Hmm, am I delivering value? And of course I've talked about this in the past. One way to know is to ask your audience, not your friends and family, because they're going to tell you it's great. But ask your audience, put up a form, things like that. So speaking of asking your audience, we are almost down to the question of the month. That is, uh, I need this by this Friday, October 25th, 2019. The question of the month for October is we always have things like, because of my podcast, this wonderful thing happened to me. And I said, you know, I, I personally can't think of like, what's the biggest regret I've had because of podcasting. And if you've had one, I would love to hear from you. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question, and you can uh, record something there. You can call it in. If you've already recorded something on your phone, you can upload it there. If it's on your computer, you can upload it there. You can click the speak pipe button. I do need it in an audio format. And again, I need that by October 25th, uh, 2019. And then it will be coming out on Monday show next week, October 28th. So that's how I kind of get to know my audience. I ask you a question every month and then you share your opinion on that. And uh, I get to know you a little bit and I also get to see who's listening and things like that. So I want to thank you in advance for answering the question of the month. Hey, last week I mentioned how I went to She Podcast Live 2019, the first all-female podcast event. It wasn't strictly all-female, but there were like 10 guys there, including myself. And I said, uh, for me, it wasn't really, I mean, it was a great conference. I loved it. But I said, I think really to get a true idea of how different it was, I need a female perspective. And we got one. Hi, Dave. I'm Jay Poole. And my podcast is called Potster Podcast, where politics, religion, and history collide. And it's not always polite. You can find it at potsterpodcast.com. I attended She Podcast Live in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was my first podcasting conference. It was amazing. I met so many awesome people and got plenty of useful tips and advice that I've been eager to try at home. There were two things that stuck out to me about this conference. One, 
There was a great deal of diversity represented at this conference when it came to both attendees and speakers. People from all over the country and in different parts of the world, people of various races and ethnicities, religions, sexual orientations, and gender identities, people from many walks of life. And that diversity was embraced and celebrated. Two, there was so much opportunity, even as someone attending the conference, not just to take, but to give. I've been podcasting for two years, so I'm not really a veteran, but at She Podcasts Live, there were so many opportunities to encourage other women, women who hadn't started their podcast yet or were early in the process. And in those exchanges, I also began to realize that my experiences matter and my insight is valuable. She Podcasts Live was a wonderful experience, and I'm definitely going to attend the next one. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate that. And again, I'll have links to her website out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 693. And I want to share a little story with you. I uh, have some relatives in from out of town, my Aunt Betty and my cousin Kevin. And there's a thing in the Jackson family where... We play cards when people get together. We play Canasta many times, which is what we're playing last night, even though I technically hate Canasta because the first hand is really easy and each hand gets harder and harder. And I swear we got done last night about a quarter to 10. It felt like it was about 1.30 in the morning. We're all like, "Ugh, is this game over? But it's a great way to sit around and just chat and get caught up. It's something to do while you're you're talking. And so... The uh, we're down to the last hand, and it's me, my brother, and my sister-in-law against uh, Aunt Betty, uh, my cousin Kevin, and my cousin Debbie had come over, and uh, we were three thousand points down. So pretty much, we actually said, "Are we even going to play this last hand?" Because yeah, we know who's going to win the game, and by paying a little attention to what was going on. There is a very hard strategy that you can do that that gives you a lot of points, and it has to do with the – it's a card. It's a red three, and if you get seven red threes, it's a 1,000 points. And I normally, you, you kind of throw these cards away, and I realize this is a visual thing. But let me just state this, that I happen to notice that people were throwing all these red threes away into this pile. And when I saw the seventh one go in, or I think, or was it six? And I couldn't decide if I was going to pick up the pile. And my sister-in-law said, what does it matter? What do we, what do we have to lose? And I was like, mm, I'm not really sure because if I were to pick up the pile and we only had six red threes, that would be 3,000 points to the bad as opposed to 1,000 points to the good. And well, I picked it up. And I'm going through all these cards and things like that. And it turns out that there weren't six. There were indeed seven red threes in the pile, which means I got a thousand points. Plus all those cards I picked up were also with points. Long story, slightly less long. We won. Why? Because I was like, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? I was going to lose. And if I do this and I'm wrong, I'm going to lose. And I bring that to you. To say, and, and that's why it's the question of the month. What's the worst thing that could happen if you start a podcast? I don't know. You start it, you do it for a month and a half and go, hmm, this isn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. And you quit. 
And then you go, well, what do I do with my microphone? You sell it on eBay. You give it away. You let somebody else do it, whatever it is. And so if you would like to start a podcast and get it up and going in 2020, keep in mind that Apple goes on vacation, typically the last two weeks of December. So it's not something where you're just going to throw it on. You you have to kind of get this going. And now would be a great time to start the planning process and figuring out who your target audience is and all those other steps so that you really have a solid value proposition. I still hate that phrase. And uh, I can help you do that. Simply go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R on a single monthly membership or a yearly membership. Or you can buy the classes a la carte. And all of those come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. Oh.